Queers on Film, a queer movie discussion podcast. For the purposes of this podcast, a film is considered queer if it features a prominent queer character, can be viewed through a queer lens, or is particularly important to the queer journey or identity of my weekly guest. My name is Kat Kingsley, and I use they, them pronouns, and I am joined this week by Zach. Hi guys, I'm Zach, he, him. So this week, we are discussing... A movie I had not seen anything in the series of before, but, I, you know, I don't think it mattered at all that I started here. Uh, we are doing A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Oh, yeah. Uh, but- <laughs> yes, this is my first ever uh, Freddy movie. Uh, what did you think I of it? I really sure. Uh, you know, I don't know what I expected. I feel like I've seen so many references in other media that like i had a pretty good idea i felt really excited when i was like boiler room i knew that was a thing like um but yeah i liked it although i wish i had been watching it with friends and not just like alone in my room not from like scariness but from just like i think it would have been a lot more fun uh, it's one that i've seen many times by myself but i've also seen it with a lot of friends and the may may or may not be some alcohol involved yeah like i felt like i was like i need to have a bunch of friends around me so we can kind of like tease about the outdated stuff and like have a good time with like this you know whatever and i not having that was a bit of a bummer i was like making little jokes to myself while watching it like i wrote down them in my notes too i was like this like <laughs> i think yeah i wrote down this guy looks like a mix between a clockwork orange and gary newman <laughs> about uh jesse <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, Jesse, and, and then, then his like, girlfriend, Meryl Streep. Yeah, right, she does. If you squint and you don't have glasses on, it's Meryl Streep. Yeah, I definitely thought that she was, like, an actress who I knew, but, uh, no, not really. Yeah, and then Jesse, and then I know that Mark Patton quit acting because of yeah, this. Yeah. Which we can well, talk about. This is about. one of the main reasons, but also because he kept getting yeah. typecast. Well, yeah, I read a lot of uh, about that kind of coming from, or that he cited this as being a big reason of why he kept getting typecast, which is interesting. But we'll get to that, because people might not know what this film is about. There could be people out there like me who've never seen a Freddy movie and just know, like, oh, the guy with the sharp? Oh, yeah, the man with the pointy knife hands. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, do you want to tell us, I guess, first why you chose this movie? I picked this movie because for me, I love horror. Horror is like one of my favorite things, but it's kind of hard to pick a movie that kind of like embodies my mixture of like, I love bad movies, but also I love scary movies and slasher movies. And this Mm -hmm. for me is like the perfect blend of just being so over the top, being so gay, but also being one of those movies that you can put on and have a good time and everything about it's so memorable. Like it, it almost feels like the first time you watch it, you feel punch drunk because of how you're expecting it to be like a Friday the Thirteenth movie or like a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Here we were expecting craziness, and then you watch it like, what the hell did I just watch? <laughs> yeah, I do have to say that I was kind of like, is this what the first movie was like? Like, there's some stuff going on here. That's pretty wild. But no, I, the the kind of mix between the bad movie and the horror. I definitely was thinking that while watching it because as I you know I said I watched it alone and I was thinking why am I not watching this with my friend Nathan my friend who I always watch the kind of bad like movies with and I was like this is so that vibe but then I was like but also it was a box office hit <laughs> like so uh, yeah I definitely yeah feel that vibe uh do you want to give a summary I think you will be the expert at summarizing Ooh, okay this. so if I wanted to give a very very simple summary for Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, there's a guy named Jesse, and he has a man living inside his body who may or may not be gay for him. <laughs> and he also turns into Freddy Cougar. <laughs> Is that, do you want a much bigger summary? I, th- I think maybe, yeah. Let's get at least okay, a so, summary out uh, The movie kind of is about this kid named Jesse who has moved into the old Nightmare on Elm Street house. Ooh, the movie from the first one, I guess, where you have uh, basically Jesse's having these weird dreams or he dreams of a boiler room and he realizes very quickly that Freddy Cougar, a man of his dreams, 
is now murdering people in real life. Kind of like the first movie, but not really, because normally how Freddy gets you is in your dreams. But here, Freddy's using Jesse as a conduit to get revenge on the people that murdered him, I guess. It's not really that clear in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I did find that strange, because it seemed to be more like it was killing the people who Jesse didn't like, or did like. Or who uh, he had crush on, or whoever. Or... Yeah, you know, who he liked, liked, you know, just, uh, yeah, that was, I found that the motivation there a little unclear. I was pretty sure it was just, I'm going to murder. Yeah, and he finds, like, Nancy's diary from the, yeah, and he also, like, finds, like, um, he also finds Nancy's diary from the first movie, because Nancy's the person that defeats Freddy in the first movie, and they move away, but here he finds her diary, and this is where you find out more about Freddy a little bit. And also weird things happen, such as dogs with baby faces on them. And also Jesse's really good at dancing. <laughs> so also probably important. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just remembering the dancing scene. Um, also probably important to mention, uh, Jesse at school gets uh, into a fight early on with this with guy, Grady. Grady. Yeah. Who's a hot jock honk, and uh, for some reason they just start wrestling on the ground. I can't even remember what incited it. I know it was minimal, and and uh, for some reason Jesse are... has breakaway jeans, <laughs> and they <laughs> and uh, they are forced to stay after school or whatever after class in plank formation detention uh, from the wicked. Possibly into S and M, Coach Snyder, and uh, they become friends, kind of antagonistic friends, but friends. Um, also, Jesse supposedly has a girlfriend because I guess you know we do that in high school. Uh, named Lisa, who uh, reads the diary with him, and also throughout the movie is very like. Jesse actually just tells her straight up what's happening, which I thought was really interesting because I feel like you don't usually get that move in horror movies where someone's just like, yeah, I keep having these dreams that I'm like murdering people and I think it's actually happening. And like, no one has to pry it out. Like, Jesse just is like, hey. And then, then there's a part where like he's like covered in blood and she's like, yeah, I'm totally gonna like get you all washed up and we're gonna try to like figure this out. No, I'm covered in blood. Help me out here, please. Not even like covered in blood. She's like, or not even, no, he's covered in blood. She's not even like, I'm gonna help get you cleaned up. She's like, no, it's okay. Like, it's not, it's not what's happening. It's not that he's bad. Like, I'm literally covered in blood. <laughs> but yeah, yeah other things I'll... keep happening. Their house is too hot. They yeah, birds the, burst into flames. Birds explode. Pretty... The dad's a real dick about it. He also calls his wife mom, which is also weird. Yeah, I feel like people <laughs> use... I see that a lot in, like, older television shows. Yeah, like it's like, mother, like... I'm home. So anyway, so the first... Is the coach the first person that he kills? Yes, that's the one where he spanks. Yeah, but so first he's just having dreams where Freddy's like... Hey, what's up? You want to murder? And Jesse's like, I really would prefer not to, actually. Um, I'd really just like it if you left me alone. Because I keep screaming when I wake up, and my dad's getting real pissed. And I'm also, like, super sweaty when I wake up, too. Yeah, I'm just constantly waking up without the covers on, covered in sweat in my little tidy whities and it's just, like, <laughs> it's too much. So, that's, you know, that's happening. Um... But eventually, uh, Freddy's like, actually, what if I pushed you up against this wall and I, like, touched your face very sensually? And what is it that he actually says? To- oh, yeah. The, you've got the body, I've got the brain. Oh, uh, yeah. And that's got- when, like, uh, Robert England, like, opens up his cranium and you see his brain. Yeah. And then you see Jesse's. Just, is- what is Jesse wearing at that point? Whatever. Jesse, clothes. who's constantly, yeah, naked, or not quite naked, in his underwear, or has his shirt opened up in some way. But yeah, so there's different people he actually does kill in in life. 
Um, one of it is the coach who is an asshole. And he has this dream where he goes, he's like wandering the streets at night. And he goes, he goes to, to, a to an S&M bar. bar in Indiana because that's what you do. <laughs> Probably I'm sorry, not is. an S&M bar. It's just a leather bar. I mean, I, what, there's nothing else to do in Indiana. Indiana I guess sucks. so. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it, like, it's, I'm, he I'm, lives in a, such a small town that they have an S&M bar. And then I, he goes I'm in, and it's really so weird because it's like, like he doesn't yeah. get carded, he gets a beer, and it's like, oh well, man, it's maybe Indiana isn't that bad. It's the 80s, yeah. And that's kind of where the coach is like, he's hanging out there just in his S&M gear, and takes Jesse back, makes him run laps, and then hit the showers by himself, by the way, in the middle of the night. <laughs> oh, dear. And then, uh, And then the coach hears something. And goes to check it out and gets like magically bound uh, by jump ropes. By, by jump ropes, and then it drag the jump ropes like drag him into the showers, and he gets you know tied up to the shower heads, and then a magical towel comes out. Meanwhile, Jesse's just like watching this occur, naked, not- crying in the shower. <laughs> Everything's foggy. And then a magical towel comes out and just spanks the shit out of the coach's ass until it is red and raw and bloody. <laughs> and then the Freddy hand uh, slashes his back and, you know, does him a murder. So, and then Jesse's like, ah! And the next and then morning, he goes like, home. Ah. Yeah, and he goes home. And then the next day, as he finds out that the coach was murdered, and he's like, oh, God! <laughs> I, and, then he, and then he immediately tells his, like, a girlfriend or whatever she is. And she's like, oh, it's probably just a coincidence that you had a dream that he was murdered in this exact way. Like, you're just picking up some spiritual energy. Because that's Which, what you do. <laughs> you know, as it's we more... all do. He's just, like, the murder whisperer. Like, it's fine. Um, he At some point, Jesse finds out from Grady that he's living in this murder house. And, uh... He's pretty upset about it. For obvious reasons. <laughs> There's another point where Freddy tries to make him kill his sister. But Yes, he... but I really like that scene because it's actually kind of creepy in the sense of like he's going to do it. But also the way that all the shot is framed is just hot and sweaty and close up action. So you don't know exactly was... what's going to happen until it's too late. Woo! Yeah, that scene was, was wild. Like I was, well, because I know... I was getting all sorts of nervous watching that scene. I think that was the only scene where I truly felt like like nervous, like uncomfortable nervous, like in a way that was taking it seriously, I suppose. Uh, instead of just being like, this is like a goofy horror film, you know? It was like that one where I was like, I'm actually tense. <laughs> I can't Yeah, because they didn't start getting here. goofy until about the third one. And then once they get to Freddy's dead, that's when it becomes unwatchable. <laughs> this one was pretty goofy at parts. Like, I don't know if the whole thing is goofy, but there's definitely some pretty goofy parts. Like, there's plenty of goofy remember... parts in this that are that yeah. are actually really fun. Yeah, like my favorite's when he's in the they're in the pool house and they're making out, and he has a really comical long tongue. Yeah, that reminded me of like a um. Oh my god. Why can I not think of what it's called? Bruce Campbell. Oh, Evil Dead? Yeah, it reminded me of Evil Dead. <laughs> does Does Freddy have a long, weird tongue like that? No, not really. I was really confused by that. <laughs> but also, I was like, nah, I'm for it. But also, but I was, I was a little confused. Yeah, so anyways, he's going on. At one point, he gets found naked in the streets or something. And, uh... The police come and, and take not... him home. Yeah, they're like... And his dad's like, are you, you on drugs, son? He doesn't even ask if you're on drugs. He does the very dad thing of being like, what drugs are you on? Where'd you get them? You need <laughs> Who a got them for you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the parents... Yeah, the parents are varying levels of concern about him. At one point, Lisa takes Jesse to the abandoned factory where uh, Freddy had Used worked. Used to work. Yeah. And it's he doesn't have any spiritual connection there. Not fruitful. And then Lisa has a pool party. 
which I love this pool party because it's exactly how you expect it to go. And I think it's <laughs> so funny. Was... Like the dad's like, yeah. oh, uh, I guess his uh, Lisa's mom is like, oh, I'll make sure that he's inside so you guys can have your fun pool party. And it's like, what type of movie am I watching now? Like what? Yeah. And they bring in like a little radio flyer with beer, and they have like a fun, awesome party until Freddy pops up, and then people yeah. start like melting in the pool. It's so great. It was very good. I also really appreciated just the like eighties fashion going on at this pool party. I was really paying attention to that. Uh, my my kind of uh, identity on Twitter is Vacation Boy. And there was someone with this shirt that she was wearing. It was like a really good button up. And I was just like, this, this. And then other people's hair, like that spiked up bangs of the 80s. And oh, I was okay. like, yes, all of this. Perfect. Excellent. I want to be Like at teased this party. feather so bangs. Like, oh, yeah, man. like the ones that are like, like, like the, like, like Susie and the band. She's kind of like, just like, yeah. It was good. Um, yeah, so like this pool party, uh, Jesse, like, Jesse and Lisa kiss for, like, the first time, and the first, like, four or five kisses are the most uncomfortable-looking kisses I have ever seen. It looks like a man Jessie that has never kissed before straight. in his life. <laughs> it was rough. They were well, like, it was hard because it looks like he was, like, eating her face, and it was like... Yeah, that's the least sexiest thing I've ever seen in my life. I was talking about before that, when they're just, like, smooching, and it's just like, oh, I'm gonna kiss you, but only, like, half of our lips touched, and then (laughs) I'm gonna do it again, and I thought, okay, it's gonna get more into it this time, and it absolutely did not. It looked just as awkward as, like, they were kissing their aunt or something. And I I was like, uh, and I was like, yeah, because you're not into women, like, I think this should be obvious to you by now, Jesse. I guess she isn't Jesse's girl. Oh. <laughs> and so then Jesse leaves and he runs to Grady's house, which I don't know if his parents let him in. I'm sure they did. Just... This is perfectly consensual of letting a man but... into their son's room and Grady's <laughs> very, like very it, though, naked. They... Otherwise, he would have been totally arrested because they. I don't think they knew that he was there. Well, I guess no one did because he's Grady's dead now. But it's just funny. It's like Grady, you gotta help me. You gotta you gotta stay up and just watch me sleep while you're half <laughs> first, naked and sweating in my vinyl like <laughs> blankets, which was so funny because they're all vinyl. That's... What he asks though, he like runs into Grady's room and he like lays on top of him and he's like, Grady, I need your help. And he's like full body laying on top of him, and then uh. Grady. Oh, also when they originally fight, Jesse's ass is out the whole time. Because Grady had, I forgot about this, but I just saw it in my notes. Grady had like pantsed him, and then they were fighting, and like Jesse never pulls up his pants, so he just like has his ass out the entire time, and it's super straight. And uh, yeah, but what Grady says is because uh, uh, he had mentioned leaving. Lisa and the cabana and uh Grady's like she's female and she's waiting for you inside the cabana and you want to sleep here with me and I'm like yeah <laughs> he does yeah, exactly this, yes how Jesse wants to do things hot sweaty and very confused and Grady's like I'll find <laughs> I'll watch you bro but you gotta watch <sighs> me bro and guess what happens? Grady falls asleep and Jesse starts turning into Freddy, which is probably one of the best makeup effects in this movie. I'm sure this is kind of like the pitch they had of like, what if Freddy came out of a young man's body and it looks okay, but when he, once you get the close-ups, it looks really bad. But there's like <laughs> one point of like they have like a master shot where you can just see Freddy's face on um, Jesse's torso and it looks like it's vacuum-formed. And it's so <laughs> bad looking. But like when he like opens his mouth and you can see, I think that's like Rick Baker's wife's eye, like looking through his throat. Oh, it's like, oh man, this wondering. is so good looking. <laughs> that, yeah, that whole scene. I mean, like, how are you ever going to make Freddy emerging from Grady's body and taking it over look good? I mean, so it was... What I really loved about this scene was that Grady just like stood there and, like, tried to open the door and looked horrified the whole time, but, like, didn't fight back at all. 
just gotta like. I mean, what do you do when someone's like coming out of your friend's body? You're like, oh man, this is awkward. And he tries to well, open I mean... the door, and I guess Freddy's powers he can't. And I think it's just so funny watching him trying to open the door, but also his parents. Paris is yelling like, "Ron, Ron, what are you doing, Dad? Dad, <laughs> Ron, this is your father." Well, he's like yelling, screaming for him, clearly being murdered. Like, and then he gets, you know. He gets dead, and then uh, Grady runs away and goes back to Lisa's house, and this is the scene we were talking about earlier, where he's just, like, covered in blood, and then Lisa's like, don't be afraid, you're giving Freddy your strength by being scared, and he's like, ah! just turns into Freddy, and starts Yeah, well, he turns into Freddy, and this is where, like, Freddy gets his ass kicked by a girl. Which is funny because you're thinking of like an eighty slasher person and then like he like goes to like a window and this is where he goes to the pool party and I just find it so funny because one of my favorite things is the guy trying to reason with Freddy. Well God. man, I'll help you out. What do you need? I we care can get you anything you, you want. Yeah. yeah. Like, Whoa. Just calm down. No one's gonna hurt you. Just like, And of course, mean? what does Are Freddy do? Treating him like a scared animal. Yeah. What what do you want? Like a like a plane to like Hawaii or something? Some money? You look, <laughs> you... look like a burnt hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then of course you get the what I understand to be a Freddy a, a very Freddy line of just the like die fucker or whatever he says. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> and so yeah, yeah, Lisa does the fight Lisa fights back like crazy. She's like, I do whatever, and then she just kinda like tries to stab him and nothing happens, and then she like appeals to Jesse's humanity and uh that kinda works. Uh this is all this is like before I guess he goes outside and starts just murdering everyone at the pool party, but uh so anyways they like get away or whatever. Um, Freddy leaves once uh, Lisa comes out and does something. I don't remember. Anyway, so they end up in the boiler room at the old factory, and Lisa's doing her best to not be scared. And, like, and she's telling him pretty much, fight it, Jesse, fight it. Quote, essentially, she's asking him to pray the gay away. Yeah. Which is really <laughs> awkward. Yeah, there's God. There's so much to unpack. We we're just getting through the. This is this summary is going a lot. How the summaries for me normally go, and I'm <laughs> normally I am doing Twilight summaries. And this is going about. How I'm that sure this goes. is this is probably the same type of romance as Twilight at times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say yeah. Who has more red flags, Edward Cullen or Freddy Krueger? <laughs> uh, honest <laughs> question. But yeah, so, and then Lisa kisses Freddy, which is just rough. It's not great to watch. It's um, pretty rough, buddy. She didn't like it either. She's, she's crying the whole time. And then Freddy, like, just like, I don't know. Jesse succumbs to uh, being just super like, straight. It looks like he, like, explodes into mud. Like, and then Jesse, like, breaks out of it. Reborn. You know. As he did Jesse. It. The con- yeah, the Je- Jesse. Yeah, Jesse did it. The conversion therapy worked. And then they're on, the, like, the school bus at the end, which is the same as the dream he had at the beginning, and he's, like, flipping out. And, uh... The bus is going faster and faster! And everyone's really chill about it. And also, everyone's really chill about the fact that a ton of their friends just got murdered, like, not very long ago. And everyone's like, it's fine. Like, it's over. Like, whatever. Don't even worry about it. We're on the bus. It's fine. Life's great. And sure, then all like, of a sudden, a hand is shoot out of one of At least 5% of our school population died, but it's fine. Yeah. Well, no, I love how it's, like, very out. calm, and all of a sudden, all, uh, a hand just shoots out of a girl. And it's such a really bad cut, but I love it. Because then that's it, when they realize, so oh, no, it's bad. just a dream. Oh no, it's a dream. Oh, Freddy's still here. And then, yeah. And then it just, yeah, then it ends. It's over. It's done. Yeah. That's pretty much so, the movie. That's the that's the long version of the movie. So yeah. It's, so this, I forget what, like, list cited this movie as being the gayest horror film ever made. I mean, I do kind it's of one doubt of those movies this is the that, gayest horror film ever made, but... Well, it's one of I those can't. movies that, when it comes to, like, Friday the 13th and, like, Nightmare on Elm Street, people like to, like to list, like, what's the best, what's the worst. 
And usually this is where it's not, I guess the best way is like the lunch table discussion of like, yeah, this movie's kind of like gay. Like if you like think about all the weird things in this movie and it just became something that was very popular. Like people, that was the theory that, oh, this is a really gay movie. It's about being gay until the point of where the writer's like, yeah, this movie's about being gay. And I kind of like cemented it a little bit, but for the yeah, most part, although pe- from what I read, it was like after like, really long time before the writer admitted that yeah okay the writing was gay like from what yeah. I was reading ahead of time it was like my writing wasn't gay Mark Patton was just gay uh fuck you and uh Mark Patton was like hey what the fuck like why yeah, would you I mean, throw, it's also- why would you throw me a closeted man under the bus like this well it's one of those movies where it when it comes to like the horror community we like to like think of things almost like we dissect things in weird different ways and i'm sure the guy went to a lot of conventions and people kept asking him that question and the best response is like oh yeah i'll just throw mark Patton under the bus rather than just tone up to like what type of movie i was writing at the time because you have to remember when this movie was made uh Mm -hmm. they actually put this movie so quickly into production they actually didn't have a chance to even talk to robert england if he wanted to come back to be freddy cougar so there's parts of this movie that are filmed without the actual original Freddy Cougar, who's uh, Robert England, who's in all the other Freddy movies. So they had mm-hmm. actually started filming this movie with a stunt double until they could actually arrange to get Robert England onto the movie. So this movie was so fast in the production that I'm sure the writer was just like, I'm just going to write something very, very quickly in the deepest corners of my subconscious, and we're just going to we're gonna go from here, everybody. Oh, really? See, it's interesting because I was reading an article where... Um... Was they were they were like talking about him talking about um I don't know if I can find it quickly. I know he talks about it a lot in the documentary Never Sleep Again. Like they actually have a whole section talking about Nightmare on Elm Street too, and he, that's where he kind of finally admits that it's a very very gay. <laughs> it's a very yeah. very gay movie. Although okay, here's the part I was finding. I I was reading this and it was. Okay, because when I was watching this movie, I was like, okay, yes, this movie is very, like, homoerotic. Like, this is gay. Like, there's lots of gay stuff going on here. Like, Jesse and Grady are in love. If you start listing everything, it becomes so apparent. Like, he has, like, a board game called Probe. He has, like, a sign in the back when um, Jesse's girlfriend comes in that says, no uh, chicks allowed. There's the part where he starts dancing and put on the lightning shades. And he has, like, yeah. the pop gun, which he uses as a very phallic object. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, like, so much of it. I wrote down a bunch of different things, but, I mean, like, there's, like, so much of it is just, like, really, I mean, obviously, because his relation with Grady is very gay, like, his, rela- you know, he is a closeted boy who is doesn't know how to handle his emotions, and then there's all the scenes with Freddy, which are very like weirdly sexually charged and uh but the the quote i found uh was which made me kind of think about this a lot was um from is it chaskin or chaskin uh chaskin that's what i was saying but then i was like is this wrong <laughs> yeah so the writer chaskin um saying homophobia was sky because this is the early was this 82 no this is uh this movie came out in 85 so this 85 was okay. in 84 okay yeah so homophobia was skyrocketing, and I began to think about our core audience, adolescent boys, and how all of the stuff might be trickling down into their psyches at an age when raging hormones often produce dreams and urges that make them, if only unconsciously, begin to question their own sexuality. My thought was that tapping into that angst would give an extra edge to the horror. And I feel like there is so much to unpack in that. There's a lot to unpack with us, as well as, like, when it comes to, like, this movie, I feel like it's a movie that I think everyone should watch because it's, it's very schlocky. But, you know, there are some good things about, like, okay, when it comes to, like, horror movies, especially in this time, you have to think about, like, this is surprisingly, like, a super tame. I was I was waiting for, like, F-bombs to happen, like, mm-hmm. hard F-A's to happen, and that doesn't happen at all. They don't make any, like, not even, like, AIDS jokes. So it's not one of those where like this movie could have been South very quickly and this would have mm-hmm. been like the Song of the South of Nightmare on Elm Street movies, but it isn't like that, which I find mm-hmm. fascinating because 
this movie it's it's a low budget movie and you can watch a lot of movies where they're not afraid to like get really into like homophobia whereas this movie it, I, I guess it's subtle enough where people might not realize it but if you know what you're looking for it's almost super blatant it's almost like you need sunglasses at times mm-hmm. but i guess i'm curious about your kind of thoughts about the stance that it's taking because when i was watching it i was really struggling to decide if i thought it was more like homophobic or if it was leaning i guess more of the other direction because and i mean i think also the like background of how mark pat wait mark right mark patton yeah how mark patton's like reaction to all of this this film was and how like unsafe he was made to feel uh from this and and from chaskin specifically um so to answer this question we have to like look back to like when this movie is made, you have to mm-hmm. understand that when this was out, uh, Mark Patton was in the closet, but he'd also the reason Pressure why I got this movie was read. yeah yes, uh, the movie that actually got him this role was called "Come Back to the Five and Dime," Jimmy Dean, and in that movie he actually plays a trans woman, mm-hmm. so that that's actually the performance that actually got him uh, this role, and I, he didn't probably want to be like typecast as like a you know as a queer character but it's almost like the weird stars aligned to the sense of like i i believe even at this time it was either he had just come out as gay like he was one of the very first openly gay actors in hollywood or like he had still he's still in the closet there's actually a really good documentary that i haven't seen yet called um because i've heard from a lot of people it's called i think uh scream king that's Mm -hmm. he actually made a documentary all about nightmare on elm street too and kind of how this movie, it you have to like think about like when this movie is made, what time it is, and how much this movie. I actually I don't think it's homophobic. I just think it misses the mark on so many things because it is a product of its time. But also, this movie could have been far worse from what it has. And also, when mm-hmm. we explore horror, you have to look at like. When it comes to horror, we look at the human elements. Those are the things that scare us. You know, feeling different, feeling isolated, and being able to accept that is kind of like a hard, like, imbalance because you have this movie, which is quintessentially a, a boy has a, like, a child murderer, or actually, in the original cut of Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Freddy Cooper yeah, is actually like a, ch- a, a pedophile. Yeah. And that was changed because so of a recent, like, story, or not recent, like, recent crime string going along. So they didn't Yes, wanna, like, correct. Yeah. And they did that more in like the new Nightmare on Elm Street, the remake. And it actually, we if he's a child murderer, most likely he's already doing other things. So it's like, oh, we we when you have Freddy Krueger as like a a doll, and like all these things, like oh yeah, we're buying all this weird pedophilia stuff, which is really super awkward. So I don't know. It's like it's it's a hard balance to strike because when you look at horror, we try to look at it from both why does it scare us, but also why do we like it so much? And I feel like this is a movie that I can ask a lot of people, especially in the in the queer community, that love like the idea of like the final the uh, the final girl or the final boy. Whereas Mark Patton's totally like the final boy of this movie, and there's a lot of like men that relate to like the final girl or in this case the final boy, and they really this is like the most empowering they feel, especially in this movie that has some sense of like if you're if you're gay. It's it's okay to be gay, but also it's it's weird because we have like that weird type of like super nineteen eighties thing of like being like a manly man and having like the nuclear family, which doesn't quite translate well. But you can see where this movie uh takes like Mark Patton's character and kind of I don't know does it enforce the values of like oh do he, because he's a man he has to like women no not necessarily because in the end of the day. Mark Patton makes his own decisions. He's the one that gets him out of a lot of his own situations. It isn't like, oh, you need the magical knife to like get Freddy out of here. It's like Mark Patton kind of accepts who he is, and that kind of like causes like Freddy to like leave his body and leaves his power. Because the whole thing with like Freddy is like, if you're not afraid of him anymore, he has no power over you. So there's like a very fine balance, and I think this movie at times can work, but also it depends on what type of mood you're on. And who you're watching it with at times. Because yeah. this movie can be supreme schlock at times. 
Well, I feel like what you said is like a very valid reading of it, but I think it also could very be easily read a very different way. Um, at least, especially in the context of the quote that I had read earlier with like the kind of the idea of like what is scary about it, as you mentioned, was him literally kind of saying that, oh, what's scary is the idea like of consider like this gay panic basically <laughs> is well, yes. is the is basically the bad guy. And uh, and I guess you could read the end as or throughout as being him making his own kind of decisions and things but at the same time i think there's also something to be said for the fact that grady is killed but lisa is not and that the end what is the thing that finally breaks jesse out is you know lisa pleading with him and saying that she loves him and then him saying that he loves her and that is like kind of the point that he breaks out, so, like, with this relationship with the woman as opposed to the other very important relationship he had with the man, which I think also is... I know that Mark Patton released those, like, journal entries that he wrote as, like, Jesse's character. I didn't read all of them. I read, like, 20 or so of them, because there's a lot. And I, I found it interesting to see, kind of, Mark Patton's take about what was going on in the character's mind there, which was very much, like... Yeah, my girlfriend, I guess, if that's who she is. And like hey, this one part where he's where he wrote as Jesse, um something along the lines of it, I'm definitely paraphrasing here, but I thought that I would be safe at Grady's because I thought that I couldn't kill anyone I love, and I love Grady, but it like it didn't work. I couldn't like keep him safe. Um as if like as he had kept his sister safe or whatever. Um, so uh, while I think that your reading is very valid and I think it's like a very queer way to look at this film, I think it's also could very easily be read in sending like a very different kind of message. Yeah, that's why um, I say it's like it's one of those yeah. where it depends on type, what type of mood you're on at times. Where, like sometimes you can look at this and like, oh, this could be a very empowering movie. Whereas other times it's like, oh, my God, this could be very problematic, especially when you think about the idea of like a queer character being like a predatory character and being the villain, like that's mm-hmm. where things, I, yeah. it, can, it, it becomes, like I said, it's a very fine line depending on when you like this movie. Like for me, I think this movie speaks a lot to me because you, you always feel like the outsider. Sometimes you always feel like sometimes you're powerless and sometimes you need to like, it's like you have to solve those problems yourself rather than anyone else doing it. I guess. Yeah. There's like Lisa who kind of like helps him at the end, but really the only person that can save Grady is Grady himself. Um, The only person that can save Jesse is Jesse Jesse himself, which is a very empowering message, especially blowing up Freddie, this person that's, you know, ugly and cruel and, you know, all consuming, but yet Mark Patton is the one that comes out, pretty much unscathed yes he's very traumatized but you know at the end he gets to hang out with all of his friends even if most of them are dead now and kind of solves some problems but i can understand what you're saying when it comes to like you can look at this and you can see a lot of the problems especially with like like the pe teacher and that whole scene's like really like oh my god because he, he gets like those ropes yeah, and, and to like, clarify for the listener, too, if you haven't seen this movie, there is a part earlier on when they are first in kind of, like, detention-y type thing with each other that Grady says, that like, oh, I hear he goes to queer S&M clubs, and, like, so already implying that there's a possibility of this PE teacher being gay or queer somehow. Yeah, or being a weird person that, like, you know, goes to all these clubs and stuff, whereas, like, even... It's it's hard to like really determine at times like how to feel about that because you know you're supposed to hate the PE teacher but at the same time you can see where the it can be very problematic of having a character like that. Yeah. I guess like I, I feel like there's a few different ways to interpret that like cuz I was I was really thinking about that while I was watching this was all the different lenses you could see it through cuz I think there's many different totally valid ways to see it and I think you know I think that the audience has the right to kind of take a narrative into their own hands and kind of take it away from the writer and make it their own. Um, And so I feel like with the PE teacher, for instance, like you can kind of view this as like the one way, which would just be like, oh, like he is queer and bad. Um, Or you could also view it as 
Jess more about Jesse's internalized fears because this is just like rumors that he had heard about the coach who was a hostile force in in his head and could be totally not true. Um, and so it could just be like his own fear about his own identity that he has not come to terms with. And um, because I think that's something that I think a lot of us can relate to when we are, you know, younger or older, depending on our own journey um, before we're out or before we're out to ourselves, even of that kind of rejecting anything that maybe sounds like too familiar, maybe in a way or it hits home closer than you think it should feel at times. Yeah. So I feel like you could kind of see it that way too. Like he, if he is trying to reject this queerness within himself especially in the 80s and with his dad who's like a very kind of like traditional masculine values like there's nothing wrong with this house i chose this house it's perfectly fine but even though someone went uh, crazy and killed themselves in the house we got a good deal out of it though yeah i don't care if the bird exploded it was my son he did it you know like that you know but he's i could see it being more of like a manifestation of his own fears about his own identity and i think you could really see that as like a narrative throughout if you wanted to do it that way as like not so much that the gay itself is evil as is this like fear surrounding his own identity that he is trying to reject and like is like having nightmares about it being in this in this uh hostile way when in reality when he can just come to terms with himself and who he is that is over and i guess if you want to go that way you could even take it further to say like that's why freddy comes back because he doesn't truly accept himself and who he is so yeah if you wanted to take it that far you could you could go there and I think it may be totally, like, totally valid, but, yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 on. it's one of those movies where I love watching it because it's it's a movie that you don't you don't laugh at, like, in the sense of, like, you laugh at how bad the movie is. You don't laugh at the message at times because I think even in the 80s, it can be a good message. Like, I, I say that with, like, not some uncertainty, but, like, it can help a lot of people, but also it can hurt a lot of people too. So you have to, like when you watch it, you have to like, okay, this isn't speaking for a whole community. This is speaking for like when it was written, when it was made, but also it's a movie that was so rushed into production. No one knew what the hell they were doing until the movie was being strung up onto movie screens. That is one thing I wanted to touch on going back to like the relationship between uh, Patton and the writer and also the director and everyone else who went into the making of this movie was I had also read uh, Patton talking about how, you know, I read a lot of Patton talking about how betrayed he felt by the whole process. And one of the things I read was, and going back to what you were saying earlier about the film that he had come off of previously before going into this one was that I guess it just got like gayer and gayer as they recorded. Like they kept upping the ante basically and making it more explicit. Like I know I saw one article with Pat being like, uh, Chaskin keeps talking about the sub like subtext. What subtext? It's like <laughs> it's no subtext. It's blatant. It's right there in your face. <laughs> like it is surface. I mean, level. case in point, when you're talking about when it's like when he's dancing on his bed, listening to almost like Cindy Lauper music. You know, you know that like, there's no subtlety himself, whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's no subtlety. Yeah, or like the coach being spanked in front of it. Like, what? What is this? Like, it's not subtext. Um, yeah. And like, there's one thing that I saw him talk about where uh, Robert England wanted to put his like finger in uh, Mark Patton's mouth during that scene where he's like, "You have the body," and uh, that was one thing that. Patton said no to like was like no we're not taking it that far <laughs> like that would have like ruined me like in the 80s especially and I think that even now would probably like would people would definitely talk about it um, yes yeah I think people would definitely talk about that but it's so interesting that we have this movie from the 80s where I, I, I've never heard this this could sound really weird but I've never heard this movie vilified in that way Whereas it's just like everyone's just like, oh yeah, it's the really weird Nightmare on Elm Street movie. It's the really gay one. Not like without, because some people, it's like almost like people can have like venom and stuff. I've always heard it in like, like a, oh yeah, 
Oh yeah, yeah, that movie. Like, if you ask people about it, like they talk about it, but it isn't like like the black sheep of the family. If that makes any mm-hmm. sense, which is it's actually a really interesting situation because you have this movie where you have all these themes and stuff, but I've never heard like a negative connotation of this movie whatsoever. That's really interesting. See, I have no context. I mean, I guess I sound like I have a lot of context because I'm, I'm like citing all these things, but it's just because I just did like half an hour worth of reading articles. Uh, Fun fact: This was the very first Nightmare on Elm Street movie I ever watched. So I, yeah. when I was like seven or eight, and I had no context <laughs> of any of that stuff, so I was like, this movie actually, I vividly remember the opening part with the bus because, like, oh my god, I go on a bus. Oh god, this is scary. <laughs> like, there, there's things like that, but. Even as like a seven year old, you you never pick up any of those contexts at all until you're mm. much older. You always think of like Nightmare on Elm Street as like, oh my god, knife hand, creepy man with like a burnt up face. Like you never like, oh yeah. Even as a kid, like yeah, this is this is a pretty gay movie. Like no, I, I never I never had that that like feeling until much later when you know the internet exploded and I used to like just watch YouTube videos all day every day about weird deaths and terrible movie lines and like the the hidden sexuality of nightmare on elm street too i was like the yeah oh sorry i didn't mean like, to cut I, you off but yeah <laughs> oh no 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 you're like i, I actually ended my sentence there because it's like oh, okay. i've never as a person like in the in the horror community i love i i'm more of a friday the 13th person but i like nightmare on elm street but i've never heard it like in a weird like vilified of this movie like you shouldn't watch it it's more like you you can watch it just be prepared it's kind of weird yeah, I definitely wouldn't vilify. I don't think it's like a because I think there's so many different ways you can you can read it. Like I think there's definitely lots of problematic elements of it, but that's what I expected from a horror movie that came out in 1985. I didn't go in thinking this is gonna be the wow. This could be a very progressive movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I wasn't gee, Wilkers. Um, I was you when you contacted me and said you wanted to do this movie. Uh, I. You know, I didn't know anything about it other than, you know, the little I know about Freddy Krueger. So I was like, oh, that's an inter-, you know, so I had no idea. So I was like, that's okay. And then I Googled it and I just Googled a nightmare on Elm Street 2 gay. <laughs> and then and it was like just a like, thousand, <laughs> thousands of yeah. search results popped up. And then I was like, oh shit, I guess it is really gay. For me, it's a movie that's near and dear to my heart because it's one of the first horror movies that really got me into horror movies. Mm-hmm. So for me, yeah. I, this movie does have a very special place in my heart. Yeah, and I can understand that, especially seeing it so young. Oh my gosh! Uh, do you have any last notes before we get into the la- to the Russo test? Um, not really. Okay, so we're gonna. Uh, I do this in every film. Uh, some of them, it's really obvious it's not going to pass. Some of it, it's really obvious it is. So we could just go through it question by question, even if it fails on the first one. Roger Dodger. So the first question is, the film contains a character that is identifiably lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, or queer. I have a hard time answering this question. Uh, I'd say a hard maybe, but the problem, though, is like no one ever says any of those words whatsoever in the movie. It's all implied. I think so. queer is actually... I had subtitles on, but that's only... With Grady talking about the coach. Yeah, I mean, this is also the 80s, so everyone is apparently gay. Yeah, so, and I don't think a student be like, yeah, the coach is gay is identifiable. Um, so I would yeah. also go with a hard maybe, because I feel like anyone watching would just be like, oh, Jesse is gay, but they don't say it. So, maybe. Um, maybe. That character must, so I guess the other questions, um, revolve around the answer to the first one so if we're going with jesse um so that character must not solely or predominantly be defined by their sexual orientation or gender identity i.e they are comprised of the same sort of unique character traits commonly used to differentiate straight slash non-transgender characters from one another so if we were claiming that we think jesse is identifiably gay i would say that's true yes um and then the LG character must be tied to the plot in such a way that their removal would have a significant effect. Uh, obviously, that would... <laughs> Again, main character being removed would have a significant effect. Yeah, but... people would be dead. And also, Freddy would be walking the streets again. So I feel like the answer to this is a hard maybe, which probably means no. <laughs> uh, that it does not pass the Russo test, but it so could have with just a little... It's more. possible. 
Yeah. You could make an argument, and I wouldn't, like, hard disagree with you, but I would probably say, from a technical aspect, nah. Um, anyway, thank you so much for joining me. So, this was, yeah, this is my first time uh, ever, actually, maybe recording with someone who I didn't know at all. So, thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be on your show. I really appreciate it. Do you want to tell people where they can find you on the internet? If you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at Suda41. That's S-U-D-A-4-1. If you want to follow my show personally, you can follow my show Radio Camp Happled, a Percy Jackson Relong podcast, where me and my friend B, we read a chapter of Percy Jackson each week, and we break down all the story. We talk about what we like, what we hate, and kind of as a literature and break that down. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. And talk about one of my favorite movies. I have such a good time. Thank you so much. Um, again, I am Kat. You can follow the show on Twitter at Queers on Film. Uh, you can contact us if you want a guest or if you want to comment um, at QueersOnFilmPod at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow, follow me personally at Epsilina, that is E-P-S-I-L-I-N-A, or you can follow my other uh, excellent Twilight Recap podcast uh, at STBC Podcast. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Well, it was between this movie and The Room, so I think I picked the right one.